tell me more about how his eyes look, Simon. It's almost <laughs> as if Simon enjoys being chastised by Baz or something. Like, is this how you describe your enemies? It's really not. Hot. Yeah, like, basically. <laughs> I feel like I just want to be, like, quote-unquote enemies for every time we bring up Baz. You want to get sexy? Yeah, let's get to the sexy stuff. Hello, everyone. I am here to let you know that our next episode, the one that comes out two weeks from today, will be about Rainbow Rowell's short story, Snow for Christmas, the snow baths six months later or whatever story that's in her short story collection, Scattered Showers. Um, It's really sweet. Strongly encourage you to read it or listen to it. You should be able to find it at your local library. Like, literally, I cried twice. It's so lovely. And our episode about it is also very lovely. And I'm really excited for you all to hear it. Other than that, I just want to let you know that we are doing a big end of year Patreon push because our income has gone down by like a third since we stopped talking about Harry Potter over on the Gaily Prophet. And um, since this is my only job, that's not really sustainable long term. So we're trying to get back to where we were before we made that change. Um, We're trying to increase our monthly Patreon income by $1,000 a month by the end of December. Um, And when we do reach that, our patrons will unlock a new offering called Lark Trek, where I twice a month sit down and write a little newslettery thing about an episode of Star Trek and tell you all of the thoughts and feelings that I have while watching that episode. Um, And that's in addition to a ton of other great stuff that we do over there all the time. Like every episode of this podcast and all of our podcasts goes up early and with bonus content, Jesse and I both do monthly newsletters about our lives and what we're thinking about and reading. We occasionally do advice episodes. It's just really great. Um, We post a lot of stuff over there, so you won't be sorry. And our Patreon's non-hierarchical, so whatever level you're able to give at, you will get access to all of our offerings. Um, You can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash hashtag ruthless. And of course, the link will also be in the show notes. And uh, let's get into the episode. Hello, and welcome to Escape from Reality, a podcast where two queer IRL witches talk about Any Way the Wind Blows by Rainbow Rowell. I am Lark Malachi Gray. And I am Jesse Blount, and we are talking about chapter 25 of Any Way the Wind Blows. Um, wait, I guess I probably should ask this before. Do we have anything we need to announce before we get started? I don't think so. Cool. All right. Uh, leave us a five-star review if you like our show. <laughs> hey, please do that. That'd be so nice. With some words. It's been a while since we've gotten a written review. Yeah, and it's really great because... Uh, Having to respond to emails stresses us out, and if you want to say a nice thing and not stress us out, you should <laughs> write a review, and then you can just feel great all around. Yay, what a good point. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, what happens in this chapter? All right, so this is, uh, we get Penny and Shepard's perspective in this chapter, but I'm just going to combine them two. I'm not going to separate them out. So Penny is gathering evidence about how Shepard was cursed. Um, which includes the purely shepherd explanation that he just got a summoning ritual from a friend who's a giant because he wanted to meet a demon, and turns out that worked. 
Penny is listing that everything about the demon is unknown, a.k.a. Shepard does not yet want his crush to know that he uh, made a deal that is a.k.a. an engagement to a demon. Um, we also learn that Shepard's last name is Love and that he owes at least three of his future children to magical people, including Ken the Giant, who set him up with this ritual in the first place. I don't think that's true. He, he haggled down from Firstborn because... That way he can have two kids and not owe anyone a child. You know, I'm glad that we said this because I actually thought, I'm like, I thought later in the book we get him that he owes his other, his first and second born to like other people. But maybe that was a lie. Oh, maybe. But I feel like if he was like, I talked them down, that means that it wasn't like the others were already claimed. But he could be lying to Penny right now because he doesn't want her to know. All right. So when we learned that Shepard owes his third born child to his friend Ken, um, in exchange for this demon summoning ritual. And like Shepard is not telling everything, not telling everything to Penny about his uh, deal with this demon, but he has a flight to catch because he, again, does not live here and is here without <laughs> a passport or a visa or anything. But again, for the third time, for some reason, Penny just cannot let him uh, get a plane back to Nebraska. So she asks him to stay and he does and they agree to work together. I mean, who in this world can let a beautiful man with a B-soft pin on his jacket walk out the door, you know? Honestly, I think, I don't know. I don't want to say if it was me because I was a very, a very shy person, but I'm like, just make out with him already. <laughs> like, what are you doing? <laughs> <sighs> yeah, I feel like the... The summary of this chapter could almost have just been flirting. <laughs> True. <laughs> that is uh, the that is the TLDR version of this my yeah. chapter summary. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we are going to start things off with easy come, easy go, where we talk about everything that doesn't go anywhere else. So, what is your first thing here? Um, just the return and the expansion of Penny's emotional support blackboard. I know. <laughs> yes, it's two walls big now. <laughs> yeah, I, that's like sort of my, one of my first points. I somehow my first point is like a two for one that starts with what a gem of a chapter this is. And then is immediately followed by this list as a work of art. So I think this. <laughs> That's somehow one thought in my mind. No, the the beginning of this chapter is excellent. Obviously, listeners, we love a good list chapter because they're just always so fun. And <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's just ugh, so very penny. And then Shepard being like, I do not want to be called the curse victim. It's just and her <laughs> putting that in the notes is just extra funny. <laughs> yeah, I feel like... I mean, this whole chapter is amazing, but you you know you're in for a good time when you hit, I don't know, item six or something on the list where we get the like series of escalating exclamation marks <laughs> after the points. Yes. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Uh, Shepard says that he thinks that Penny would be a good lawyer. And I almost had that like, Actually, she would actually make a good lawyer. And I'm like, Penny likes doing research. I feel like she would just be a very good investigator. Mm. Which she could do legally, but 
being a lawyer in a lot of ways sounds like a lot of work and that it sucks. So <laughs> I do not wish that on Penny. That's fair. Although I do think she has the right brain for it because she likes the research. She also loves to argue and she loves to argue based on facts, you know? Yeah. I feel like if Penny, cause like there are like sort of research jobs that you can do as a lawyer where you like comb through the law and you're like, here's all the documentation to back up this argument. And I think like that would be an excellent role for her. Yeah. That line is literally also my next note. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> Such good foreshadowing because Penny is literally going to lawyer Shepard out of this engagement in several many chapters. Oh my god, I can't wait to get to that chapter and I can just spend a lot of time talking about Legally Blonde because like that, <laughs> everything about that is very out in a way that is deeply satisfying to me. It's that's so true. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um. Okay. On a completely tangenty kind of note every single time i read this chapter i'm like i don't know what coronation chicken is but i need to make some and eat it right now and i never have but maybe we should do it as like a thing because i really want to eat this sandwich i actually i did look it up because i'm just like what the fuck is coronation chicken yeah well i've like looked at recipes before so i guess it's not true that i don't know what it is but like i don't know what it is in my mouth i think is what i mean and i'm like i want to eat this food yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I'd buy it someplace, but I would make it at my house. Yeah, I would buy it if I was in the UK. I would definitely not buy it here. I feel like it would be. <laughs> and as an addendum to that, we get this like straight out of the mouth of Edward Teach line where Penny is <laughs> like, focus. And Shepard is like, I'm focusing. I'm focusing. I like the race. <laughs> He's like, Izzy, I am focusing. Look at all this cool shit. <laughs> Love it. But also, Penny, the dried fruit in the sandwich actually works. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, um, speaking of cool shit, my actually my last thing here is I can't, I cannot get over. Can the giant collecting people-sized things because for him they're miniature. Oh my god, it's so funny. (laughs) I don't know. There's already something very charming and appealing about a realistic miniature thing that I'm like, I understand this impulse, but it just is so funny to me. Uh, Yeah. Look at this little tiny working coffee pot and it's just a regular size. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, totally. Exactly. Um, My last thing here is... Penny's absolute outrage when Shepard is like, I could teach you so much about magic. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yes, she is so outraged, but unfortunately, Shepard is very correct. <laughs> yeah, and you know what it made me realize is that no one can convince me that he's not going to teach Care of Magical Creatures at Watford after him and Penny get married. I'm here for this, honestly. Yeah. Right. The Minotaur can't do magic and gets to teach history of magic. There's no reason a normal can't work at Watford. And like, I mean, besides, you know, whatever, mage shit, but Penny's mom is the dean. So like. Right. And like she has to come around. It's like in Aladdin. Am I Sultan or am I Sultan? The princess can marry whoever she wants. Exactly. Exactly. And it's like, obviously, 
Yeah, it feels very likely that Mitali would warm up like once Shepard is her son-in-law. And it's like, all right, fine. Yeah, because she is going to be super excited to learn about all of the magical creature shit that he knows. And probably she'll be like, actually, will you come teach at my school? (laughs) Like, you're more qualified than anyone we could find who's just going to have, like, book knowledge. You have firsthand knowledge. Uh, This is actually great because this is actually one of my first points in our next session section talking about learning more about Shepard. <laughs> Great. All right. Let's head there. Welcome to I See a Little Silhouette of a Man, where we talk about character development. Uh, we learned so many facts about Shepard. Um, and I mean, we could just start off continuing that like, yeah, he just knows so much about other magical people. And beings that it's just like, you truly can often learn more outside of school than you can in school when you don't have someone's uh, agenda to limit your knowledge. And, you know, Shepard is walking proof of here. He's just like, I just have a bunch of friends. I learned so much cool shit. I'm not trying to kill any of my friends because they're giants or whatever. And it's like, good on you, Shepard. Yeah, no, for real. Yeah, I love him. I love him so much. Yeah. No, I just, sorry. I'm like, that's all true. And also the line, who wouldn't want to meet a demon? (laughs) Can't you think of a thousand questions you want to ask a demon? You're like, maybe a little bit more, like, (laughs) (laughs) self-preservation would be good. Yeah, you know, I don't think that i would summon a demon into my living space and be like hey i have a list i always want to know some stuff and like you know i i think i am a very curious person but i i think i draw the line there because i'm just like that sounds a little bit too much like having my soul eaten by a demon yeah and i think (laughs) one of the things that makes me the most anxious about him is that if i know anything about other magical people it is that you should never ever tell them your name ever just don't do that so it's just very it gives me a lot of anxiety that he like he summons a demon and then the first thing that he says is his full name and like lucky for him he already fucked that up before which is how he's going to get out of this engagement but like Really, that's like rule one. Get an alias, Shepard. Yeah, it's it's very... Uh, I was thinking about this. It's almost kind of along the... It's like sort of in the same family of don't eat or drink shit in Fairyland or with, with the Fae. Where it's like, Shepard, don't offer a demon a Diet Coke and like offer all this like personal information. Like you're already halfway in a bargain with them already. <laughs> Yeah, right. I feel like you give the demon a Coke and don't give the demon your name. Like maybe scale it back, right? Or right, just give give them a fake (laughs) name would be better. Literally anything. Or even just your first name. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And it's like, it's funny because Penny's like, I don't trust Shepard to go to the airport and still have both his kidneys. And I'm like, that's actually pretty rude, but unfortunately kind of correct. (laughs) Yeah, totally. (laughs) For all she knows, he already only has one kidney, you know? I mean, you can function with one. So, yeah. <laughs> yep. Would Shepard offer a kidney in order to learn information about it from a magical person? He sure as fuck would. 
<laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> oh, which is how he got himself in this mess in the first place. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's mm. very lucky that he's about to be uh have a, a Virgo added to his life because I think I don't know how much longer he really would have made it with the way he's been freewheeling through all of this danger. So Yeah. <laughs> I think he will teach Penny to lighten up a bit, but also she will keep him alive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She has uh you know, thanks to her innate Virgo-ness and also her years of being a child soldier along with Simon, a healthy suspicion <laughs> and like sense of preservation. <laughs> yes. <sighs> Which, yeah, exactly. You know, uh, Shepard can be a fancy free soft boy and Penny will be like, for the love of God, don't sell your soul again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't have anything else in this section, do you? Sorry, I just have one more thing that just occurred to me when I was saying that. Is Shepard's soul will be fine after this because Penny's going to write into her vows or whatever that she owns his soul and no one else can <laughs> no one else can take it because she will own it herself. Yeah, no, actually that might be <laughs> a really good call because I feel like she could do that ethically, right? Like write in, you know, yeah. a really solid like prenup about how he gets it back if they break up, but also like for the interim that they're together. Yeah. No one else can claim it. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, just a, just a good stopgap uh, if your future partner is just like, I don't I don't see a limit to what I can do for 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 more information. Right. <laughs> oh, my God. His journalism professor would be like, no, that is not what I meant. <laughs> there is such a thing as too far, Shepard, and you have found it. <laughs> Welcome to Face the Truth, where we talk about things that are fucked up. Um, I don't have a lot here, but I do have that I really hate that no one knows where all of the books that the mage seized are. Yeah, I can't say I'm shocked by that because fucking Davy. I do think it, it I do think uh Penny's instinct to ask her brother makes sense because like if anyone would know it'd be the mages marry men of manipulated children manipulated mm-hmm. young adults so yeah they're probably just like in a i'm sure he just had weird hidey holes full of just like shit that he's like mm, no one else no one else needs to have this yeah but they're probably just like in a like i don't know i'm just in a honestly box. probably the safest place to keep something to stop mages from finding it would be like the nearest normal storage unit <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I almost said like a bank box, like, yeah, it's just in a U-Haul storage locker, just... Yeah, totally. I mean, the mages are never going to look there. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's probably not even being properly stored either, so it's just like... Full of mice, yeah. Yeah, yeah what a dick. <laughs> Welcome to Caught in a Landslide, where we rant about stuff so this is the one thing i wasn't sure if it belonged in the last section or this section but uh maybe it's shepherd or whoever and it's just like i mean what is 
what is gender to a demon? And of course, my question is, what is gender to any magical person? Honestly. And it's just always my pet peeve in science fiction and fantasy, which is like, you could just, you don't have to have androids that have gender. You don't have to have demons that have gender or like unknowable, vast, you know, beyond our comprehension kind of beings. Like, why do they have gender? Let me know. There's no reason. Yeah. I really appreciated that. Yeah. Um, I was like, that. yeah, great. Great point, Shepard. Yeah. We have non-binary angels in the historic material series that we're talking about on the Gailey planet. Now we have non-binary demons in any way the wind blows. It's a great time in the yeah. world of us. No, yeah, I love it. Uh, I... I feel like maybe this should have been in Silhouette. Oh, well, just uh, the moments where, you know, Penny's trying really hard, I think, to like stay in the present. But there are a couple of moments where like Simon and Baz being gone sort of slips through her cracks. Yeah. And those, it's really sad, you know? Yeah, it it is a little bit of this chapter is a joy, obviously. It's just that little bit of... Also, why Penny is doing this is because it is a, a thing to focus on and not about her feelings, which right. as someone who hates talking about my feelings. And I mean, I think the breadth and depth of my knowledge throughout this podcast is an example of how, how far I will go to not think about my feelings <laughs> is to be like, so I read Wikipedia for eight hours. Let me tell you about it. I respect. I understand that vibe so intensely. Oh, yeah. But yeah. Um, glad that Shepard and Shitty be like, we're in it together. Also, you're friends with <laughs> what's going on with uh, Simon and Bass. Yeah. Welcome to Send Shivers Down My Spine, where we talk about sexy stuff. All right, my first thing here is that <laughs> Shepard can like laugh and talk while he chews his food and it's not even gross at all, is like peak crush logic it's like no it's gross penny i promise you it's gross (laughs) yeah yeah oh that's the kind of thing that in like six months she's gonna be like i actually hate it when you do (laughs) (laughs) yes that is gonna be one of the first things to drop off once the initial flush of first crush chemicals yeah yeah Um, you know, I don't know why this struck me as sensual, but like Penny's about to like literally start doing the like ritual and Shepard just puts his hand over her mouth. Yeah. And I don't know. I'm just like. No, I think it is because it shows that they're getting comfortable touching each other. You know? Yeah. Things are shifting from, you know, we've sort of only just met to like, we're in a space where we're like, oh, we we're like that's okay. I I feel comfortable doing this, even though it maybe makes my heart do a thing that I don't totally understand right now. They're they're definitely on a much lower stakes enemies to lovers. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like they're... Antagonists. Well, because, I mean, Shepard was like an unwitting antagonist, right, to Penny, (laughs) but like he he never was anything but like, I want to be your best friend, right? Like that, he's... He's in a friends to lovers <laughs> timeline. Yeah. Penny's in a like annoyance to lovers. <laughs> yeah, this is true. But you know, it's 
I, I do feel a little bit like normals who knew too much about magic do seem to be the sort of, if not, it's a like a cultural enemy of mages, if you will. Mm. <laughs> yeah, totally. That makes <laughs> Even sense. Even if their personal situation between Shepard and Penny, it's like, right, it's more like annoyance to friends to Lars. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, I guess my I just have like, this is such a flirty chapter. Um we get that moment where Penny thinks he's going to kiss her goodbye. And then she's like, that, that was so, that's so silly. Why did I think that? <laughs> like, cause you want it. Also, he was probably literally thinking about it, you know? I'm Yeah. I'm sure he was also considering it and then it was just decided not to, but then mm-hmm. they're going to still hang out together. So it's, it's fine. Welcome to Is This Just Fantasy, where we talk about magic and science and magical science and research uh, that we did. Uh, so we get this exchange, you know, Simon, Simon, Jesus, Shepard uh, pulls out the his hand copied, this hand copied summoning ritual. And Penny's like, you drew a door, you didn't draw a pentagram. And he's like, it's the intention. I It's, it's supposed to be a doorway. And... He's like, I mean, your magic is based on cliches, which I'm like, LOL. Mm. <laughs> but it actually does make sense in a world where we see people who are who are able to like focus their magic like mages do using cliches, sayings, yeah, you know, fairy tales, like metaphor, essentially, that you could just draw an elaborate kind of like some kind of drawing of a door and then it works as a doorway because that's what it needs to do. Mm-hmm. I literally wrote Beetlejuice in my book. <laughs> I love that you were like an elaborate door because like because of Beetlejuice, I just imagined, you know, a chalk, like a, a chalk rectangle and then like you know, I a actually, circle for a handle. You know, I guess I also actually thought that and then I'm like, that's probably why because of Beetlejuice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, I I love um, everything that we get about this demon summoning information. The fact that, right, like he draws a door and the idea of the door becomes a door and then the demon comes in as if it's coming up the stairs, which is amazing. Like, I don't know why that's so much better than it like poofing into existence or like levitating through the door in the floor it's like, oh, that's, I don't know, neat. That's a neat way to pass between dimensions. It's it's like, it's a neat little bit of physicality, but it's like so also easy to envision in a way that if you saw it like on screen, it would be like, oh, that's, that's very cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Um, we also get the demons are beings from other dimensions, which we also love a little bit of sci-fi in our fantasy. Love a multiverse demon, not a hell demon. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> and if you too love the idea of multiverse demons, you should go read Camp Damascus by Chuck Tingle. Yeah, and then listen to our Gaily Planet episode about Camp Damascus by Chuck Tingle. Exactly. Uh, I don't. I know it's November when this episode comes out, but it can still be Halloween. No one's saying it can't be. It's always <laughs> Halloween in our hearts. <laughs> Um, yeah, so my only non-demon thing that I have here is that 
uh, my note is giants eat babies, but are also good dudes who collect miniatures. <laughs> so. <laughs> so I also had this in my in this section. I did not do a very good deep dive on this because it appears to me, it seems to me that a lot of the giants eating babies is very much from what we would imagine is like Brothers Grimm-esque fairy tales. Uh, Jack and the Beanstalk obviously comes to mind. But what is actually interesting is that according to Wikipedia, there are a ton of different cultures that were just like giants. Giants in our mythology, in our religious text in our sort of you know storytelling tradition and it's just i don't it feels like one of those things where it's just like is there just a human inclination to imagine giants and i'm just like i don't know that's just it's kind of wild i guess interesting i feel like in general i'm like no this probably used to be real but I feel like with something like unicorns and dragons, which are the main thing that I feel that way about, there's like, you know, and I'm like, we just think that they're dinosaurs or like, you know, horse remains and, you know, the horns got used for medicinal properties or whatever. This one, I'm like, I don't know if there, we would have physical evidence if giants had been real at some point. So yeah, but I guess maybe if presumably there have been more dinosaur bones found than what we know of in modern archaeology so like i guess if you found a giant what looks like a giant leg bone you'd be like the only explanation is this is a giant person (laughs) or maybe a like very it it feels very i don't know it's like a logical conclusion i guess to me if you're just like why not maybe they're giant people how how did how did the world get made how does stuff form around us why not giant people sure I don't know. I think it's like an explanation of the like natural world. I'm kind of like, why not? Yeah. Like people come in all kinds of sizes. Why not humongous sized? <laughs> Do you have anything else here? Um, I was going to talk about coronation chicken, but maybe I just won't. <laughs> so, no, I, had to, I, I had to look up what it was. I'm like, I think I know what this is via the bake off, but. <laughs> I mean, I feel like it's pretty well described in the chapter. Yeah. Curry chicken with raisins. Sounds great. I think. I want to eat it. I would maybe not have the raisins in it, but that's mostly just because I don't particularly like raisins. I also don't like raisins, but I like them in biryani, so I feel like I'm open to trying it with raisins because I'm like, well, I already have a pre-existing situation in which I'm fine with raisins if there's curry involved, so like, I'd give it a shot. The internet also suggests that I'm assuming chopped apricots, which I think would actually Ooh. be a better, I think it would just be a maybe a better flavor combination. Yeah, no, that sounds delightful. Whenever it is that we make coronation, <laughs> coronation chicken sandwiches and like post about it on Patreon, let's oh use apricots. Oh my god, okay, yeah, we should, we should plan for that because that does sound very good. <laughs> yeah, maybe next summer, that sounds like a summer food to me. Yeah, yeah, it's like a mayo-based salad, chicken salad, so that's definitely... A warm weather thing. Yeah. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Escape from Reality. Um, Please check the show notes for all of the things like the other podcasts that we make and how you can support us. And until then, Scott Scott Amoosh. Amoosh.